welcome to the Madden America podcast, your source for science, psychiatry, and social justice. Welcome to the Madden America podcast. My name is Jessica Janzi. I write for Madden America's research news team. You can read regular research news articles at maddenamerica.com slash research dash news. I'm so excited to welcome today's guest, Scott Greenspan. Scott recently received his PhD in the school psychology program at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. His research focuses on the integration of physical activity within school-based mental health practices, as well as affirming school-based interventions for sexual minority and gender diverse youth. Scott is currently completing an APIC psychology internship at Judge Baker Children's Center in Boston and holds an appointment as clinical fellow at Harvard Medical School. Welcome, Scott. I'm so glad you could join me today on the podcast. Hi, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, we're so glad to have you. So, Scott, your research focuses on physical exercise for kids. You study in the field of school psychology. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your research, what brought you here. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, personally and professionally, I'm really interested and passionate about the intersections between engagement and wellness practices, particularly physical activity, um, and how that impacts psychosocial functioning for kids. Um, And, you know, I think I have that experience coming at it from like a former uh, youth athlete um, to a former coach and, um, swimming instructor and really with those individuals that I worked with and even myself included, just really taking those strong benefits that came from engaging in physical activity, particularly with, you know, physical activity, you're getting um, a lot of benefits, including reduction in stress, um, greater mood, um, greater self-confidence. And then, you know, there's some other added benefits being on a team and having that cohesion and developing all those social, emotional and, and life skills. And, you know, coming at it from a school psychologist perspective, uh, school psychologists are well positioned to promote social, emotional and life skills for kids. And there seems to be a bit of a gap with where physical activity and wellness practices intersect within the field of school psychology. So really bringing physical activity in an integrated way to practice can just provide um, increased and added benefit for kids and also support them with engaging in physical activity um, as a tool and uh, potentially a passion they can have for their lives as a embedded coping skill and protective factor. So what about you? Can you tell our listeners a little bit about um, why you chose psychology, how you came across this journey? Absolutely. Um, you know, I've always worked with, with kids, whether it was in a volunteer capacity and tutoring or uh, teaching swim lessons or as a camp counselor. And I was always really interested in, in child development and um, like how we can support kids and I particularly was interested in this idea that, you know, physical activity can, you know, really help us in many ways and um, support our moods and support the way that we connect with others and the way that we set goals. And so I think for me, um, you know, I was, I was in, in college and 
Um, I was a psychology major for that really broad child development interest that I had. Uh, and then, you know, as a side job in college, I was teaching swimming lessons and and then I started reading more about this link between physical activity and mental health. And I was like, wow, is this actually something that I can study <laughs> and I can actually like merge this together? This seems like almost fortuitous that I'm really passionate about this and there's this whole field of work. Uh, so then I decided that I wanted to become a mental health clinician. So um, I got my master's in mental health counseling. And throughout my time there, I was, you know, really uh, focused in on both clinical practice, but research around the role that exercise has in alleviating depressive symptoms. And that to me was just really interesting. Um, but I also knew that there was a whole lot that wasn't being disseminated about that because we know that, you know, in in the US, exercise is not a frontline intervention for depression for a host of reasons that Madden America covers and uh, really appreciate that work. You know, as that evidence became clearer to me about this link, I then realized that there's just such a lack of dissemination of this research. Um, and there's a lot of efficacy for physical activity as a really useful intervention for kids. And we know that kids are in school for most of the day, and that'd be a prime place for them to get these interventions and support their well-being. And so I really became interested in how schools can serve as hubs of wellness interventions. Um, so then after my master's in mental health counseling, I I worked for years as a clinician, but then I, you know, I really quickly applied to PhD programs in school psychology to, you know, engage in this line of, of work. Um, and so it's been really, really important for me to, to link that research with clinical practice. So that's kind of been my, my trajectory in the field. Um, in what ways would you say that social justice informs your work? Yeah, you know, I think... School psychology uh, is so systems focused, which I really value and appreciate. And it's a reason why I came to the field of school psychology, because, you know, rather than focusing on one client at a time, and mind you, I really enjoy working individually with clients, there's also something really impactful about uh, developing interventions for systems. And schools really function as systems. And if I can provide an intervention such as physical activity that all kids can access, that's really where the social justice lens comes in because we want to provide like equitable education and access for students. And if we can support them with physical activity to enhance their outcomes across domains, academically, behaviorally, social, emotionally, then that is indeed providing more access for them. Um, you know, I think additionally, uh, from a systemic lens and when we're using like public health models in school, that's another way that we can infuse social justice in our work. So an example I like to provide a lot is we know that, you know, physical activity can support kids with um, 
be with issues regulating their behaviors, right? So if we are providing all kids in school with physical activity, like before the school day and during recess, we might notice that most kids are, you know, pretty regulated or maybe a little bit more regulated than they would have been. But then there might be some kids who need additional support. And we really want to uh, intervene effectively so that we're providing those kids with the extra physical activity that they need so that we are uh, meeting their needs and they're not just falling behind. So they're like, oh yeah, this is the type of physical activity that I need to help myself. Um, you know, an example with attention might be those students are getting um, increased movement breaks throughout the day. Maybe their other peers aren't getting that, but those students really need it so they can access the curriculum and they can feel better about themselves. Um, and then maybe there's like a smaller subset of students that are just, you know, having some more, some more behavioral issues. And, you know, we're incorporating physical activity within their individual therapy sessions. So I think we really want to ensure that all students have access to that. Can you talk more about how your research informs work with the LGBTQ population? Sure. You know, I've been fortunate to um, engage in a host of studies really focused on um, LGBTQ youth experiences within sports and physical activity, um, and then subsequently some affirming interventions and practices to support them. Um, and what we found in my research is the majority of LGBTQ students that we surveyed or um, engaged in focus groups with um, feel really unsafe within physical education contexts within schools. Um, and this is because they feel that there are a lot of structural barriers, particularly um, this like very hyper-aggressive masculine sport culture that can take over. And they feel really uncomfortable and pretty oppressed in that environment. Um, and to that point, they feel that they're gender segregated policies and they can't use um, their appropriate changing room. And they further feel that um, there's a lot of isolation and homophobic and transphobic remarks in that environment. And so a lot of the participants in my study talked about mental health concerns such as feeling excluded, rejected, and having low self-esteem and having a lot of difficulty um, forming positive relationships with peers and with uh, staff within the physical education and sport environment. Um, and they discussed that having a private place to change in and out of their uniform, being able to use a locker room of choice based on their gender identity, um, wearing a gender-affirming uniform, you know, and the option to just not participate in certain activities and make them feel uncomfortable, such as, you know, swimming or a sport where they might have to reveal a part of themselves they don't feel comfortable. Um, so with that data, I was able to develop a conceptual model of uh, a professional development program for physical education teachers, where we really are providing them with information about what these affirming practices can look like, and then subsequently uh, providing them with follow-up consultation between a school mental health professional uh, so they can really think about um, ways in which their, uh, their classroom is affirming and supports these students and provides them what they need to access. So recording this interview during the coronavirus outbreak, schools are closed. 
With kids staying inside so much more than usual, interacting less with peers, what is this doing to them based on your understanding? Yeah, sure. You know, I think kids and adults alike are just making, trying to make meaning of this and are really struggling with, you know, the adjustment of being inside and having our world flipped upside down and worrying about loved ones. And it's certainly a really nerve wracking time. Um, And we know for anyone, like having less social connection can definitely cause feelings of isolation. Um, And so as someone who works with kids, I think a lot about how, you know, that can be a risk factor for um, developing, you know, feelings of sadness or um, some depressive symptoms, um, increased anxiety. So um, certainly something that I worry about because they don't have all the buffers in place to protect them against those things. They're not able to um, go outside as freely or um, engage in uh, coping skills that might distract them, like going to laugh with friends outside or something like that. Um, And coupled with that, they're engaging in more screen time and electronics. Mm -hmm. And we actually know from the research that like blue light emitting screen devices can actually disrupt sleep patterns and, um, and, and, you know, su- suppress melatonin. So then they're getting less sleep. So, and that also affects your mental health. So it really becomes um, a bit of a vicious cycle. And I, and I do worry about that uh, for our youth. Uh, the work that I engage in, so focused on physical activity, I mean, it's hard for kids right now to engage in either planned physical activity because there's more barriers to getting outside to public parks and using playgrounds. Um, And also that unplanned physical activity, this idea of just like going for, um, you know, doing some chores outside or gardening, you know, people are a little bit more nervous about that, especially uh, when people are really close together in urban areas. So what do you think would happen if kids started getting more physical exercise at this time? You know, I think that if kids start getting more physical exercise, we are going to see um, greater focus in schoolwork. Right now, we know that schoolwork is all virtual. uh, So I think we will be able to to see that gain. Um, I think that we would be able to see less irritability um, in a lot of our kids. Um, You know, for, for some kids that are feeling more isolated, Um, I think that physical activity can increase your mood. So I think that it will make them feel better um, and also provide them with some of their own agency over their activities. Physical activity is something that they can choose to do. And at a time where they're feeling like everything is kind of controlled for them, like that's something that they have a lot of agency and autonomy over. And we know that Um, that can also protect against um, some of those, you know, negative feelings as well. All right. So what can you be doing at this time? Can you give parents um, or other listeners some tips for helping you stay active, some practical things during the coronavirus outbreak? Absolutely. You know, I think that the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services suggests that kids get about one hour of physical activity per day. And in light of you know, COVID-19 quarantining, that might seem really hard to do. And in some cases, not at all possible. So what I would love to do is think about feasible ways that we can 
uh, engage kids in physical activity where it adds up to that 60 minutes or close to that 60 minutes, because I think that can be done. You know, I work a lot with schools and think about how we can um, support kids in engaging in movement breaks throughout the day. And I think that similar things can be done at home, particularly around the school schedule. So if there's a break from schoolwork, you know, maybe you can go do like, you know, 10 minutes of um, like running in place and playing catch with a ball or uh, doing crab walks around the house. Um, you know, uh, some some kids have houses with large enough ceilings where you can do jump ropes. So it doesn't necessarily have to be an hour all at once, but I do think there's a lot that you can do uh, just kind of embedded throughout the day. Um, and kids can be really creative about it. You know, there might be some kids who want to, you know, play hopscotch or jump around or run in place or do lunges. Um, they might want to show you what they're learning in physical education. That's a question you could ask them and they can engage you in the physical activity and they could have some leadership over what that physical activity is. Um, so I think there's a whole lot of ways that we can um, provide physical activity um, in the home. Additionally, since the weekdays are kind of structured like school right now, we actually could provide kids with a recess time. Uh, it might need to be a little bit different than what they'd have in school, but I think that time could also be embedded in the day. So we are providing kids with an opportunity to release some steam and engage in physical activity. Do you have any advice for parents right now who may be at home with their kids during this unprecedented time? Yeah, you know, I think that this is a time where folks are consistently grappling with this adjustment and there is so much newness and there's so much unpredictability. And we know that when things aren't predictable or, you know, there's no way of telling what the future holds for certain things, that can cause a lot of anxiety. So I just want to normalize that, you know, pretty much every person on this earth has some level of heightened anxiety about this situation. Uh, and, you know, I think coupled with that, our routines have been completely flipped upside down. So when we think about kids and families, your their routines are so different. Kids aren't going to school. Parents are with their kids 24-7 right now. Um, and when we look at it from like this physical activity wellness perspective, kids are not really engaging in as much physical activity as they were before, most likely. Um, and we know that, you know, when kids are not moving, um, that actually can impact their mental health. So they might have some more difficulty focusing or may have some um, increased irritability. And that doesn't mean it's directly related to the lack of physical activity, but physical activity is something that we could uh, predictably um, implement into home routines to uh, to support kids with having that outlet. Yeah, you know, and, you know, the days are so busy. So parents might also consider setting cell phone alarms for its movement break time. And then students or youth or students are able to engage in that. Um, I think it's also really great when parents have discussions with kids about how they're engaging in their own physical activity. This is a time where, you know, parents who were at one time, you know, gym rats and going swimming a lot and doing yoga classes are now sort of having to 
adjust for themselves. I think it's a great lesson to kids about how they can be flexible, no pun intended, and figure out ways that they can um, engage in physical activity. So an hour a day, but it doesn't have to be all at once. So breaking it up, that sounds really helpful. And then providing recess, that sounds um, great too. Uh, What about educators? Do you have any other tips for them? So the majority of students right now are accessing some sort of online learning platform. Um, What kind of tips would you suggest to educators providing activity in light of virtual learning? You know, I think first, I think first and foremost, I think it's really important that you know, educators are checking in on their students' wellness and, you know, asking about their sleep and if they are able to move around and and kind of see where they're at. Um, and then that can be something that educators, you know, mention to parents or their school psychologist um, and they can problem solve around um, if there's um, any concerning information provided about, you know, an immense lack of wellness practices or or student or family self-care. I do think uh, for educators where they are, you know, video chatting with students, they could also provide those movement breaks, um, you know, through the video chat modality um, and really engage students in that way. Um, so that's another, another thing that educators could do. Um, I also know that there are some PE teachers that are providing online resources for students while they might not be able to access the school gym. Um, There's still ways that they can engage in physical activity at home as well. Scott, would you provide a school-based example of a movement break? Sure. Um, You know, one of my favorite examples is, you know, for teaching younger elementary kids math and you're teaching them like basic addition like actually just having them hop the numbers and being able to count that way um, is one really, you know, poignant example of how you can infuse uh, physical activity within the academic curriculum. Scott, before we end, do you have any resources that you can provide to our listeners if they want to learn more about options to help kids stay active while we're all stuck inside? Absolutely. You know, um, I think for teachers, uh, some great resources would include the Box program through Reebok. Um, and they actually provide uh, before-school physical activity. Uh, but they have a fantastic guide of suggestions to incorporate physical activity. Um, and so, and you can actually take a training and become a Box certified teacher. So that could be something really great to do while in uh, this, you know, quarantine period. And then when schools are, are back in action, you could, you can implement, um, and while they're virtual, you'll have some more ideas of how to support your students through physical activity, even if it is from afar. Um, another resource that's great for, um, schools and families is Go Noodle. Uh, and Go Noodle actually, um, provides movement breaks for students, but like under the, the guise of music videos and dancing and kids really enjoy it. And they can also um, at times link academic content. So uh, students are really, really enjoying that and they're really engaged. Um, and I think that's, that's really great for them. Um, brain breaks is another, another idea. Um, and you can access brain breaks online. Uh, similarly, uh, it's this idea of engaging in movement breaks throughout the day. Um, in a more of a structured way. And with that said, teachers and families can also develop their own movement break cards. So maybe they want to 
develop a set of index cards and write different types of events that uh, kids can engage in and you know, their child can pick a card from a stack and, you know, engage in that movement of the day or the movement of the minute or the movement of the break. So I think it's really um, important that we are creative um, in how we're delivering physical activity. I would also suggest using your schools as resources. Uh, The physical education teachers are still working and I'm sure that they'd be glad to provide suggestions for families. So I think it's also really important to consider what school and community resources you have available as well. So all of those things will be linked um, in the article, um, as well as ways that you can um, reach out and learn more about Scott's research and his work and ongoing good things. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's it's so great to have this information for our listeners. And I hope that you know parents and teachers out there can find it really beneficial for students. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Madden America podcast. Visit maddenamerica.com for more news, views, and updates.